Welcome to Red Pill Torah, calling believers from man's institutions to God's instructions. Hey, I hope you're ready for more from our special guest. I'm Tim. And I'm Miss. And that special guest is no other than Valerie Moody. Last week, Valerie shared about the Greek mindset versus the Hebrew mindset. And there was so much to cover. Valerie agreed to come back for another episode. Amen, and we are so grateful. Thank you so much, Valerie. To our listeners, you can email us at redpilltorah at gmail.com. Follow us on redpilltorah.podbean.com. Find us at our website, www.redpilltorah.com, as well as on Facebook, Twitter, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Deezer, TuneIn, Spotify, Listen Notes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, wherever you hear your favorite podcasts, please look for us. We'd love to hear from you. And don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. And we want to say shalom to our friends in Maryland and Massachusetts. Amen. Shalom, everybody. So uh, let's jump right back in with Valerie. I think um, in our last podcast, we ended off talking about how we can read the Bible with a Greek mindset and how that Greek thinking interferes with, with how we understand the scriptures. Valerie, please help us to, to understand that and, and open our perspectives to, to what that really means. Yes, yes, I'm happy to, Tim. I wrote the book, My Big Fat Greek Mindset, several years ago, eight years ago, I believe. I wrote it in 2012 because I realized how pervasive the Greek culture is on the earth and that Greek orientation to life is so naturally ingrained within us that it affects our logic and reasoning. Therefore, it affects how we read, understand, and apply the Bible. You know, the Bible unfolds in the rich culture of the ancient Hebrews, not the ancient Greeks. For the Greeks, thinking was everything. But for the Hebrews, actions and behavior were everything. Now, I have an example of this. And in our Greek thinking, we may scratch our heads and wonder about this. But when Elisha, the prophet Elisha, who lived in northern Israel, was on his deathbed, the king of Israel came to weep over him. And Elisha said, open the window toward the east and fire an arrow out the east window toward Damascus. And so the king did it. And Elisha said, the arrow of the Lord against the Arameans. And then he told the king to take the arrows out of his quiver and strike the ground with them. And the king took the arrows out of his quiver, and he struck the ground three times. And Elisha said, why didn't you strike the ground five or six times? If you had struck the ground that many times, you would have completely wiped out the Arameans. But as it is, you're only going to win three battles because you struck the ground three times. Now, does this make any sense at all? <laughs> in the Hebrew culture, actions are so important that teachings are sometimes acted out. 
they're acted out instead of taught with words, they're taught with actions. Uh, several years ago, I was leading a tour to Israel. I, my husband and I have led tours to Israel, and we were out in the Negev Desert in Jeeps. And I was supposed to teach when we got to the destination. So this line of Jeeps came to a stop, and I said to our driver, who was a, a, a Yemenite Jew, a Messianic Jewish believer from Yemen, I said to him, where are we? And he did not answer my question. He got out of the Jeep and he opened my door and he said, ah, obedience first, understanding second. Oh, that's big. So, isn't it? In our Greek thinking, we want to know why before we do it. But in Hebrew thinking, we're willing to do it even when it doesn't make sense. Just wow. because Elohim said it. That sounds like uh, our father Abraham, who was uh, told to go, didn't know where. Scripture doesn't record him asking the father a lot of questions. Sounds like he just went. He didn't have the answers. And the Hebrew mind doesn't uh, doesn't uh, look for answers in the Bible before they continue with joy, hopefully, in the journey with the Father. Life is a journey, and they're willing to journey with him even when they don't fully understand where they're going. You know, our, our Greek thinking, which comes so naturally to many cultures in the world, it's the result of Alexander the Great, who conquered the civilized world and carried that Greek culture with him all the way to India and beyond. And so we've got this Greek culture everywhere. But something we need to recognize is it's not a salvation issue. If we were raised in a country that practices Greek thinking, it's not a salvation issue. It doesn't mean we're not delivered from our sins, that that the Messiah didn't die to save us. Mm -hmm. it, that's not what it means. It just means that we don't see the full picture of the Bible and some of the treasures that are buried there. You know, there is a measure of joy and peace in simple obedience. Mm -hmm. In simple obedience, there is joy. There is shalom. There is well-being just because we obey. And that's a Hebrew thought. The Greek thought says, I don't understand this. I've got to make sense out of this before I can do it. We don't have to make sense out of it. We just have to do it. Wow. Uh, you said a lot, Valerie. A whole lot. My goodness. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, I think you mentioned uh, on last podcast about uh, celebrating uh, Yehovah's appointed times, including his uh, Sabbath um, and his feast days. You said that that's... Um, that, that may help with our Greek thinking. Can you expound on that a little bit? Yes. Let me say, first of all, when I realized that, it didn't make any sense to my Greek thinking. To my Greek mind, that didn't make sense. 
Yet the Almighty in Scripture talks about the sons of Zion being at war with the sons of Greece. And so in spiritual realms that we don't comprehend, places that are beyond our pay grade, Greek thinking is battling against our spirits. If we can get caught up in the mind, we don't get to the spiritual part of the scripture. And so we combat our Greek thinking by adhering to the Hebrew wisdom which is found in scripture, whether or not it makes sense. It doesn't matter. Hebrew wisdom declares that we are a peculiar people. You know that Abraham was a stranger in a strange land. We don't Mm -hmm. have to fit into the world's pattern because the world's pattern is Greek. And Greek thinking has affected our teachers, our pastors, our leaders, decision makers, artists, doctors, writers, and others. But Hebrew thinking doesn't look to the world for answers. It's more vertical. Think of it as a vertical line. It points upward to the creator and connects with him to learn his answers. And his answers are found in Scripture. So uh, how do we tie in in, uh, the holy times, including the Shabbat? And how do they help us with, with the Greek thinking? I'm sorry, yes. the Hebrew thinking. Yes. yes, with Hebrew thinking. Well, celebrating his festivals and his Sabbath, those are Hebrew actions. And actions demonstrate his word in the world. Therefore, biblical actions transform our world and make it a better place. You know, God permanently marked his feast days, and I wrote a book on the feast days which is available at vmoody.com. He permanently marked his feast days with world-shaking historical events. Yeshua died, was buried, and he resurrected on feast days. Then the Holy Spirit touched first-century believers on a feast day. So Mm -hmm. Messiah's death, burial, and resurrection, and the gift of the Holy Spirit were all prophetically timed to occur on the spring feast days in the Torah? How is that even possible unless it is divinely orchestrated? Now, this is one reason, yes, this is one reason why he tells us about his appointed times is so that we can see the fullness of what the Messiah did for us through the meaning of each of those feasts. And then on the fall feast days, those days will one day witness future prophecy being fulfilled on a future Yom Teruah or Feast of Trumpets. Sometimes it's called Rosh Hashanah. We see the imagery that relates to tribulation and also the resurrection of the dead. On a future Yom Kippur, it's related to final judgment. And on a future Feast of Tabernacles, Yeshua inaugurates his kingdom on the earth because that is a kingdom festival. Honoring these, yes, honoring these days opposes the logic of Greek thinking because logic attempts to dismiss these things as mere coincidence. And so we've got this spiritual tension going on between Greek and Hebrew thinkers. 
Zechariah 9.13 calls them the sons of Greece versus the sons of Zion. Well, I was just thinking about uh, the two podcasts ago as uh, Miss and I were talking about the Hanukkah story and the oppression of um, the the Greek Empire at that time um, in trying to subjugate all these other cultures and so forth. And um, just how that's playing out, even in, in our world today, in terms of mindsets, is very striking. Yes, it's true. It's true. You know, by biblical definition, if we just go and research that verse in Zechariah, we come away with the concept that the sons of Greece are those who operate outside the parameters of Scripture. They're, they're, they're relishing human achievement and bodily pleasure above what the Bible has to say, whereas the sons of Zion are trying to conform to what Scripture says. What did, what did Rabbi Paul say? But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Mm-hmm. We've got to put the mind aside to let the heart be transformed. That's very deep, Valerie, very deep. You know, uh, by the way, I, I, I don't want to forget, I think you mentioned how to get your books, but uh, can you just mention that one more time? Um, yes. I'm sure a lot of our listeners will want your book on Greek versus uh, Hebrew mindset. So how do, how do they get that? Yes, I have, I have books and DVDs on my website at vmoody.com. It is also possible to send me an email by going to that website. I think if you if you click on contact me or something like that, uh, it goes straight into my email. Somehow it goes into my email. But my email address is hello at vmoody.com. Oh, that's a nice And I'm very, yes, I'm very easy to reach. And I love to talk about this topic. I am by no means a quintessential Hebrew thinker. I have to fight my Greek thinking every single day. <laughs> I think most of us do. Yep. Yeah, uh, I agree. Guilty as charged. Um, are you available, by the way, to uh, visit uh, churches or um, uh, other uh, groups of believers, either in person or uh, maybe through Zoom these days uh, to yes. to teach more about uh, the things that you've researched. Yes, I I do that. I speak before groups, study groups, and congregations. I have gone to multiple churches who wanted to understand those festivals, and I'm able to communicate it in a way that people are not threatened but curious, and they want to know more. And so, yes, I'm absolutely available to do that. And they can reach you at hello, what is that, hello at vmoody? Hello at vmoody.com. Okay, great. Yeah, that's awesome. You know what, can I ask one other question, Miss? If we have a little little bit more time. Valerie, I'm wondering, what what is, can you give us a little bit of your red pill story? How did you uh, come to learn about Yehovah, and um, how did you come to even understand that there is a uh, a Hebrew way of thinking and um, 
how did you come to appreciate the Hebrew roots of, of our faith? I've shared this testimony before groups uh, before, and I've had people come up afterwards and say, you know, I want that kind of experience. And I say, no, you don't. He had to deal with me that way because of my big, fat Greek mindset. I couldn't get it any <laughs> other way. <laughs> well, I was... Um, I had a full waking vision. I was awake. I had a vision where he appeared to me, where the Messiah, Yeshua, appeared to me. And he said, I have a name that is higher than king. I have a name that is higher than Lord. And that had never happened to me before. And I had all, I think I was already, this happened 21 years ago. So I was already almost 20 years old in the faith as a believer and I saw him standing there and I saw his garments and I saw that the fiber in his garments uh, I saw the colors it was it was it was white but it had all colors contained in the white it was fascinating and then he had a name written on himself written on his uh, it was on his vestments, on the garments that he wore. And he opened up the folds of those garments and he let me read it. And that name, I mean, I could guess what it was. It was E-L and then two Hebrew letters and then I-M. Well, I was a women's ministry leader in a 15,000-member church, and I could guess that was Elohim. But the critical part of the vision is that his name was Hebrew in the center. He, he, had, he showed it to me as Hebrew letters in the middle. So he, was, he challenged me. He was saying, there's clearly more to me than you ever realize. And if you want to know more, here I am. If you call me king, if you call me Lord, I have a name that is higher than that. Do you want to know more about that name? which is why the name Elohim is so precious to me. After that, I had a dream a month later, and several other things happened. There was another vision. There was another dream. And before that, with all those things lining up, kind of stacking up against me over a period of about three months, I decided I was going to have to keep the Sabbath in my home. And I told my family, we're going to have to keep the Sabbath in our home. My husband said, I don't want to get under the law. I said, I don't either, but I know we're supposed to do this. And the first night we kept the Sabbath in our home, even our sons felt him in a way they had never experienced him on a Sunday. Something beyond what we knew was happening, and it changed us. It changed us, and that's how it happened to me. So when people come up and say, you know, I want an experience like that, I say, he he hit me upside the head because I didn't know anything was missing. In my Greek contentment, I wasn't looking for more. He had to treat me that way because I didn't know there was more. Wow. Oh, that's... uh... Wow. That's deep, uh, and the, the depths of the deepness just keeps coming. Um, thank you, Valerie. Miss, I think I, we probably ran a little over, but uh, hey, this is a good one. And uh, I hope yeah, our listeners was. 
I know our listeners just loved it. They'll probably listen to this one a couple of times over. I know I will. I I agree. Valerie, thank you so much. We really, really appreciate you, and we love you, and we hope to have you on again sometime. Thank you. Well, um, that's it for this week's podcast. Please go back and listen again. Uh, Consider all the scriptures that Valerie shared and discuss them with your family and friends, and thank you for spending 15 or so minutes with us at Red Tail Tour, where? Where we can handle the truth. Amen. Amen. Amen.